0: We're sitting in the we were sitting in the uh, PD. It's the day after Christmas, and I'm working. Um, it's during the it's the morning time. Mm-hmm. Um, the sergeant's phone rings, and he answers it, and I can tell by his face that um, this isn't just a normal call. We're about to go on. I can tell by his face. Um, mm-hmm. I'd never seen it before. And he got off the phone, and he said, "We we need to go out um, west of town. There's been a car accident, and Dan's." trapped under the vehicle
1: hey everyone this is christina and daniel defenbaugh with 1042 project and welcome to episode two of the shared voices podcast We're very excited to have you again, and this is actually the second part of us going through Daniel's story, so if you haven't heard the first episode and you want to kind of hear the whole thing, uh, please go back and watch episode one, Um, but we're going to go ahead and just dive right back into where we were at Mm -hmm. and pick up where we left off. So um, you just talked about the beginning of your career and really the first incident uh, that you came across that really changed you. And then how you chose to, um, that was the first time you chose to use alcohol to address the internal turmoil that you felt from what you saw. Um, But then we ended on, you know, you being able to reflect back on that and from a healthy place now. And I know after that incident, um, that was in 2000. um, And as we were kind of sitting down going through your timeline, essentially, you know, of your career and what you went through, um, the next thing that we really dove into was what happened uh, December 26th of 2005. Do you want to kind of share what happened there?
0: Yeah. So at this point in my career, I've got like five years on. Mm-hmm. Um, and would you like
1: say it, you were still pretty functioning at this time? Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah I would say I'm, I was very functional at the time. Um, at least I thought, at least I, I yeah. felt like it anyway. Um so I went I've gone through 5 years. I was working uh I worked for the Mid-Iowa Narcotics Enforcement Drug Task Force, so I was working narcotics for a few years and then I, as I came out of that, I went back to the patrol and uh and during that time working narcotics, I saw a lot of trauma, a mm-hmm. lot of, you know, there was a lot to deal with. Um the stuff that people that are on, the stuff that people are when they're on drugs are willing to do to yeah. their children and their family members and the ones they loved. Um, so I, I dealt with a lot of trauma, um, going through that. Um, but again, I, I still feel like I'm doing pretty good at this point. So I go back to a patrol for a while and, uh, we were, uh, we were, so I had shown up for work just to go back to the incident you asked about. Mm-hmm. Um, so the December 26th incident, um, there was a, a friend that I had, um, Dan Nichols, Mm -hmm. he worked for the des moines fire department which is about you know 20 minutes away from here he also volunteered for the indianola um fire department which is how i got to know him Mm -hmm. um he was a firefighter i was a cop and uh so him and i started the uh flag football game between the police officers and the firefighters and we ended up having a softball tournament and it was just kind of help you know help connect to fire help kind of the relationship between the yeah. firefighters Built and the some police camaraderie officers.
1: Yeah. a little bit. Yeah. So I
0: got to know Dan and, and, uh, so we're sitting in the, we were sitting in the, uh, PD. It's a day after Christmas and I'm working, um, and staring the, the morning time. Mm-hmm. Um, the sergeant's phone rings and he answers it. And I can tell by his face that, um, this isn't just a normal call we're about to go on. I can tell by his face, mm-hmm. um, I'd never seen it before. And he got off the phone and he said we, we need to go out um west of town. There's been a car accident and Dan's trapped under the vehicle. Wow. Um talking about Dan Nichols. hmm And uh so we drove out there. Um it was icy morning when so it was kind of a slow drive out there. We get out there and I parked my car. So I saw kinda of on a curve, so I parked my car up at the top of the curve kind of the hill, the grade of the hill and it's icy. I was going to step down out of my car and just kind of slide down the road and walk over to the ditch and, and there's a truck upside down and Dan's underneath it Mm -hmm. and he's lost his life. Wow. And.
1: And that's your friend.
0: Yeah. I didn't do very well with it in the moment, but I felt like the adrenaline was taken over. Yeah. Um, The fire chief at the time had asked me, he said, hey, would you come with me to go tell Jana and the kids? Um, Dan has a wife and kids. Mm -hmm. And this was the, remind you, this was the day after Christmas. Mm -hmm. Dan had worked Christmas and was on his way home.
1: And because he was a firefighter, right, I do, because you clarified this for me, because I'd wondered this, his shifts were 48 hours. So he'd been away from his family Christmas Eve and Christmas working his shift and was on his way home. So it sounds like they'd opened some of the presents, but ultimately, you know, they were there waiting for him to finish.
0: Yeah. So the fire chief, and sadly enough, the fire chief, since then, he retired and then he moved and he ended up falling off a ladder and he died too. So the trauma just, anyway, so he had asked me to go with him. So we went to the house and honestly, I didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. I was shaking like a leaf. I was scared to death. Oh, yeah. To, to to go knock on that door. I've given death notifications before. I mean, I've done it several times, but this was different. Oh,
1: yeah. So different.
0: You know, and death notifications are never easy, even if you don't know the people. Mm-hmm. I mean, the blood scrittling screams that come out of a loved one when they find out they lost a loved one. Mm-hmm. It's unexplainable. It's a noise that never leaves your ears. Oh, yeah. Um so I kind of knew what I was going to be walking into when we went up there, but this is part of our job, right? We have to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. I was honored. Oh, yeah. I was honored to be there.
1: But that also doesn't make it easy. It
0: doesn't make it easy. Right. Um, so Chief and I went there and we went up to the door and long story short, short I don't want to go into it because their family privacy is their family privacy. Right. And we have Which, permission and yes. we do have permission to talk about this story. We are still friends with Dan's wife, Jana, and mm-hmm. she's just such a sweetheart. We just love her. She's
1: an amazing woman.
0: Amazing. And she's given us permission to talk about this, so just so you guys know. Um, but we had to go to the door, and we had to let Jana and the children, mm-hmm. and there was another family member there. We had to let them know that Dan was not going to be coming home. And that was probably one of the hardest days of my life. But honestly, I didn't know at the time... I had no idea at the time how much effect it was going to have on me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't blame Dan. Don't get me wrong. None of this is. Oh, yeah. I don't blame Dan for any of this. It's it's just part of what we do, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Part yeah. of the trauma and tragedy.
0: And it's part of just being a human. You have heart. You have feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can act like tough guys and tough girls. First responders can. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, we're, we are we are just as fragile as anybody, if not more fragile, mm-hmm. because we do see the worst of people every day. We get to see the dark side of the world that a lot of people don't get to see. Yeah, um, we don't get to escape it. Mm-hmm. We have to show back up for our next shift, right. and we have to deal with it, and we have to process it.
1: And on that note, kind of with what you just said, my perspective, I guess, is that first responders are actually very strong and resilient in and that is shown through what they experience and and that they keep showing up day after day. I mean, these individuals receive wounds that the general public does not. Um, so I think that you know, when it comes to a point where like like everything you went through right, and you have PTSD, my perspective it isn't that you're fragile. It's just that because of your serving heart and your willingness to be in the middle of everybody else's pain um, led you to receive more wounds than the average person. And that doesn't make you weak. It just means that you were self-sacrificing and, you know, you just wanted to be there for people. You wanted to help and and that's honorable and I just want to thank, thank you, you for that, and and thank you to the first responders um, out there right now. We're so grateful. We we see your service and your sacrifice, and we're grateful for everything you do. And in including the people who are no longer first responders, we want to honor that as well. We completely yes. respect the decision uh, to leave that role because ultimately, um, your health is a priority.
0: Yes, this this job, this uniform is is not who you really are.
1: exactly.
0: And sometimes we put this uniform on and it changes us. We think it changes us. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think a lot of first responders, I know you did, um, felt like your identity is in your career, right? But that's not true. Right. That's not true. And, and what a good highlight of hope that is, right? To know that your identity does not lie in your career and what you do for your, quote, day job. Right. Right. your your identity is much deeper than that and I, and I was just thinking about this earlier today. Um, you know when I was thinking about you and how you thought that your identity was in your career. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you know you've, you've found purpose in what we get to do today helping other people, but really the whole time, your heart wasn't serving others and you just identified with it so well as a first responder uh, but that can take other shapes. And your skills were still be able, were still you know put to good use, and you're making a difference here.
0: Yeah, and and I see that now, but I wish at the time I would have had the tools to be able to handle it healthy. Right. You yeah. know, you know, like the from Dan's call and and going through Dan's experience, mm-hmm. nobody really talked about it. Like no, really? me and the sergeant and the other people that were on that call,
2: mm-hmm.
0: never really talked about it. We just kind of. I don't want to say we ignored it. We never addressed it. Mm-hmm. It never got talked about. Obviously, we went to the funeral yeah. and that kind of stuff. But mm. there was never a conversation about what happened? how to check in on each other. Mm. There was, I wish I would have had somebody in my career that would have just put their arm around me and said, Young man, this job's hard. Yeah. And you can't do this on your own. Mm-hmm. And Put their arm around me and just said, i help I want to help you with this journey. Mm-hmm. You know, a veteran officer maybe's been doing it for years that knows what it's like.
1: Yeah. Um So you needed someone to come alongside you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I'm not blaming anybody. Right. No, no, no. Just that, that would any, have any of the officers you. I work with yeah. because I wasn't the I wasn't there for them either. This is not a one way yeah. deal, right? You know, I I didn't go to the sergeant after dance thing and ask how he was doing and check in on him Mm -hmm. and have an ongoing conversation. You know, I don't to this day, I honestly don't know how it's affected him. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And that's kind of sad. I need to reach out to him. I think
1: it sounds like everybody was just doing the best that they knew how to do at the time, mm -hmm. which is why we're so passionate about so passionate about making sure people have the tools so they they can do it differently. And it can turn out better for you guys.
0: Yeah. And. Yeah, I mean. Sorry, I just keep thinking about that call. That's
2: um, no, okay. We can take day, a minute if you need.
0: That, that day changed me as a, as a person. Mm-hmm. I know I said that before about other calls, but that one changed me as a person. Yeah. But again, I didn't know it at the time. This mm-hmm. is me with a clear mind now and looking through my years and years of destruction, which we haven't got to yet. Yeah. And what i went through but
1: it was a life-altering moment for you
0: yeah yeah and i wish i would have known it at the time i wish i would have had resources at the time you know wish 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 Right, but didn't have it yeah um but i am happy to see that you know like our organizations and there's other organizations around the country that are popping up and people are finally starting to talk about mental health and first responders mm-hmm. that's so good to see
1: yeah that's so true um
0: because as i go through my story again i don't want to blame anybody this was this was my journey and, and I chose my, I chose what I did. Um, but that day, um, December 26, 2005 is definitely, um, we were actually able to look through medical records. You and I did that mm-hmm. earlier in the week as we were preparing for this episode because it's kind of hard to put a destructive life back together time-wise. Yeah. Quite you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So... We were looking through medical records, and one of the places I I would go to was the Mayo Clinic because everybody said it was the best in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would go up there to see – up to the Mayo Clinic to get help. And so we're looking through the medical records, and we learned this week looking through the medical records that it was in
1: 2006
0: 2006 when most of these issues with me started. Mm
1: -hmm. The physical symptoms started to present that were really – affecting your day-to-day life right and i
0: don't just and i don't just it's not just from the call that with dan's wreck right it was you know a lot of people think that with ptsd you have to have this one call or you have to shoot somebody or kill somebody to get ptsd um it wasn't all from dan's call Mm -hmm. it it goes all the way back from the first time i saw trauma how i treated it what i did with it all the other times in between there
1: and let's be real uh the trauma that you experienced before you even got to your career yeah you know that plays a huge part yeah that doesn't just magically go away
0: no and um but so it wasn't necessarily dan's call and and that's what a lot of people need to realize is that they say well i don't have ptsd i never shot anybody i don't have ptsd i never gone through what you went through dan it it's not about number one. We don't need to be comparing our trauma, mm-hmm. comparing our calls. We don't need to be doing that. Um, but what am I trying to say? I'm losing my train of thought already.
1: That's okay. Um, just saying that people's experiences that that lead to PTSD don't have to look a certain way. No.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a major call. Really. It's for me, some of the hardest stuff I went through in my career, looking back on it, mm-hmm. was the day to day calls. Mm-hmm. You know. I kind of call like the big calls, like you know, the call like Dan or the call where, you know, I've been on murder scene, stuff like that. Those are kind of the big calls. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times with those, it didn't necessarily happen in all mine, but a lot of times with those, especially now today, people will kind of come around you for mm-hmm. those big, you know, those big right. traumatic events.
1: Yeah, the ones where people are like, whoa, yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah, And they
0: make the news, you know, the real big ones yeah. or whatever. But to me, it's the day to day. Mm hmm. Of seeing the worst of everybody mm-hmm. that's that 's a whole different lifestyle when you wake up and you are your job is to be called to everybody 's worst moment in their life and to help them with their most traumatic moment in their life, mm-hmm. day after day after day and that 's what wore on me. It was the domestics and seeing the the evil and mm-hmm. what somebody can do to somebody else and the murder scenes and the rape scenes to just see the darkness that's in this world. Mm-hmm. And you go and you do it every single day. You truly start to think this is what the world is. This is what people are like. This is what all people are like. This is what how everybody treats their wife. This is how everybody treats mm-hmm. their kids when they abuse them and stuff like that. And you, so you come to this, you become like a dark, like cynical, cynical. Yeah. person who you're, you're really at this point, you're putting on a face. hmm None of it's real at least it wasn't for me by 2005 I'm already you know 2005 2006 the mask is already going on mm-hmm. right yeah daniel the person is behind a mask and mm-hmm. I'm I'm portraying I'm putting on a face to get through this and it's so it's those day to day calls it's the going and, and giving death notifications to parents yeah it's like i said the rape calls it's those day to day seeing the evil seeing the devil everywhere yeah um and i was very good at seeing the evil but not good at seeing the seeing god and everything mm-hmm. seeing the positive side of it because his hands are over everything right. even in those traumatic events i can look back now and see him all over the place yeah i missed it i, I you know the and, power
1: of perspective right
0: right um so that doesn't take severe calls to do this. Yeah. You don't need to work in New York Homicide Division. You mm-hmm. don't have to work in LA's Crime Against Children's Division to, to deal mm-hmm. with what I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. Again, we live in Indianola, Iowa. Mm-hmm. It's a town of 18,000 people. Um, when I was there, there's 21 officers. I think there's maybe a couple more now. Um, it can happen to anybody, anywhere. Mm-hmm. Trauma happens everywhere. Trauma impacts people different hmm and i didn't deal with that yeah. very well um sorry if i went off track there but no, i just want to let people maybe. know that because a lot of people think that you know they hear the dance story and they're like oh that had to be tough and it crushes me and so this day I, you know i ball a lot i cry about it a lot mm-hmm. um but i don't want people to think like well i don't have a call like that so i can't be going through what dan's dealing with Right. No, 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 no. no. It wasn't that one call. It was everything that kept going. And Mm -hmm. the choices I was making, Mm -hmm. how I was treating them, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: were completely wrong, as we'll get into. Mm -hmm. And now with a healthy mind, I can look back and see that. And I can get up here and to help people see see the truth in trauma Mm -hmm. and and what you go through. And not the lies that the enemy puts on you or the lies that your brain, whether you're a believer of, of God or not. Um, Maybe if you don't believe in that God, that's fine. But maybe you struggle with your brain. Um, What am I trying to say?
1: Um, I'm not
0: sure. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) This is the problem with it's not a problem. It's something I learned to deal with.
1: No, you're good. I was also like mildly distracted with the thought that I was thinking too. Um, I was just thinking about how um, it was kind of what you were talking about a little bit ago, like with. Uh, trauma, and you don't want people to think that it has to be like this big call, right? Um, and you don't want people comparing, but then also a conversation that we'd had one time where I was like, "Know this, you know, first responders are so hard on themselves with like comparing, like, well, what I went through wasn't that bad, or but I just want to put in perspective. So like, I've never been a first responder, and um, so I'm not from that walk of life, and like one what you would probably consider maybe what other first responders would probably consider like a mild experience. If I just ran across one of those, I would be impacted. Like I think the example we talked about when we first were discussing this was like, if a gentleman in the grocery store collapsed and had a heart attack. And I told you that did it wouldn't matter if he it, like if he lived? I would still be upset. I would still need to talk to somebody about that because or a football
0: player on a field.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um. And, and, you know heaven forbid you know that person not make it. Especially then I'm gonna need you know some resources and some help. But even if he makes it, just to witness a human, um, like come so close to death, like that's that's heavy. That's hard, mm. and to witness it. And and, and to a first responder, it's like, oh, he made it. Good thing, you know, with everything you guys see. But like even that leaves a mark. And I think that, um, you know, there is potential for first responders to kind of become numb to the fact of the, the real level of trauma you are coming in contact with and to give yourself some grace in that because you are still human. And just because you have to be around it every day doesn't make you exempt from it. And so I just want to like provide just a little bit of like caring and understanding and grace in that way. Like you guys do a lot, you really do.
0: Thank you. And yeah, I'm already losing my train of thought, but
1: no, you're good. We were just, I guess, completing a a th- a thought there. We, were, we you and I were both had multiple points to make in that one, but um, I think we should just like take a minute. Um, and go ahead and just take a breather and then move on to our next episode. Uh, but again, I just want to thank everybody for spending time with us and joining us and taking the, this space to just be here, not judgmentally, just with open arms and acceptance. That's definitely the tone that we always want to move forward with. And uh, just thank you so much for, for being here. And we care about you so much. We'll see you in the next episode.